0: And that's a hole we can fill. Lace up your Jordans. It's time for...
1: I never saw that. As I walk through the valley of death... I'm, uh, huh. <laughs> I never
0: that's what we're starting with?
1: That's what we're starting with. Because that's what this movie that we're talking about this week started with.
0: Well, not, not exactly. I mean, it started with the song by Coolio...
1: Yeah, Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah, and
0: he knew the words.
1: Precisely. Yeah. Right from the start, at the beginning of the, Oh, we're talking about dangerous minds, by the way. <laughs> um, right from the start, Gangsta's Paradise came on. I started, like, bobbing my head, and I tried to rap along, and I don't know the words, hmm. as it turns out.
0: So you just wanted to recreate that for everyone. I just, well, yeah, because Thank I you. feel
1: like it's sort of a metaphor that fits with this movie, which is white people don't get it
0: oh man you know what i mean so let's just
1: that wasn't the moral of this movie by the way <laughs>
2: Quite
0: the opposite. no but it should have been
1: uh yeah it so it opens with gangsta's paradise and it's very on the nose because it the opening scene is just shots of this neighborhood that is covered in graffiti. Uh, the graffiti says stuff like, in memory of the homie, there's like a little shrine to somebody who was shot. It is clearly a rough neighborhood.
0: And it's all black and white. A lot of film grain. Yeah, at the beginning. Very gritty.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I just thought to myself, sure can't wait to see Michelle Pfeiffer, white savior the shit out of these (laughs) kids.
0: There's a whole lot of white savior bullshit.
1: That's, if I had to sum this movie up with one sentence, what you just said would be it.
0: I mean, I think I think it's sort of problematic. Like, Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson are two white dudes who produced this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's about a white woman.
1: Wait, was this based on... Usually these movies are based on a, a real... A true story. Yeah. A she, real person. Oh, that's right. She wrote a book. She wrote a book. Or a story. Damn it. I meant to read Called it before...
0: My Posse Don't Do Homework or something. I
1: meant to read uh, it before... We did this show.
0: So that scene starts all black and white, and then they show the neighborhood stuff. Kids get on the bus, and they start riding the bus, and the bus goes through a nicer neighborhood. Looks like the suburbs, with green grass and lawns, and color comes on screen. And that's when I stopped caring about this movie anymore. (laughs) Right in the credits. No, it's not. It wasn't that bad. It was worse than that.
1: (laughs) No. Okay, well, I, I walked into this knowing that it was a teacher movie Mm -hmm. about a white woman who is teaching in the inner city, in quotation marks. Um, And so I have been this person. Like, I have been her several times. So, I mean...
0: (laughs) You were a former Marine.
1: No, no, no. I mean, I was a white lady teaching in in these kind of neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So it was a little more complicated for me because... I I I walked in thinking, "Oh fuck, this is going to be some white savior bullshit." And in the beginning, I thought it might be better than that. I actually liked it at the beginning. I I don't know. I liked that she kind of adjusted to where the kids were and she tried to speak their language. She tried to connect with them. Basically, mm. is what she was doing. Uh and that's all good stuff. But god, it's I just it's, it's complicated for me. Also, what accent was she supposed to have? I
0: don't know. Some southern accent. So
1: bad. And I just
0: was able to overlook that because there were so many other problems I had with the movie.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Here's the story. She gets hired at this high school. She's an ex-Marine. They don't go into how she became a teacher or why or anything. Do well, they? Well, she
0: always wanted to be a teacher, I think. But she, she tells some story about how her ex-husband, she started working for him after she got out of the Marines. And so she never... Got to be a teacher, but she goes and interviews with the assistant principal for about 10 minutes and gets a full-time job.
1: Yeah, because no one wants to work at this school. Yeah. She has no certification, so they emergency certify her, which also I have been in that situation. So she doesn't know that the job she's applying for is for a program at the school called the Academy. Uh, And it's clear that, I mean, they say these are challenging kids. They're great kids, but they're challenging and so, obviously, it's very clear that no one wants this job, and the kids are going to be all kids of color, black and Latino, mostly. I knew this before they showed the kids, obviously. And then, oh, yeah, guess what? It was black and Latino kids. But one of them... Maybe a couple white kids, I don't know.
0: ...was Renly Santiago, Phantom Freak from Hackers.
1: Yeah. Ra- he played Raul in that this one. That was cool. He was adorable. Yes. So, yeah, they're all... They're almost all black and Latino kids. Um, Raul, as we just mentioned, he's adorable, but he is a kid who is very poor. I mean, all the kids in this class, one of the things that it makes me think about, because anytime I watch things about high school kids, I think about my own high school experience, which was very unusual, but what's, what I thought about watching this one, which is something I've thought about a lot, is that these are kids who have actual hardships. (laughs) You know, these are kids whose friends are getting shot and whose uh, families don't have enough money to feed them, maybe, and all these real life kinds of things. And it made me think about the people in Montana and the way that they did things. And What they liked to do was create hardship for us, (laughs) right? So it was very artificial. The stuff that they made us do was so ridiculous. Anyway, so one of the uh, created artificial hardships that I went through while I was there was that I had to carry rocks around. And this is, um, I am responding to a question that was sent by Libby quite a while ago. Uh, Thanks, Libby. I'm going to just read it real quick. You mentioned filling a backpack full of rocks in the last episode. That was a long time ago. What did you do with this? Was it part of the forced physical exercise? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was definitely part of the forced physical exercise. But these people like to assign us things that they thought were metaphorical. So for me, they decided that I needed to fill up a backpack with rocks, and label each rock with something that I was holding onto that was weighing me down. I did mention this in a previous episode about about one of the rocks being old friends and how I had to write letters to my friends and to some of my friends and say I couldn't be friends with them anymore. So it was about 20 pounds. I had to carry it everywhere all the time. We did some really hard morning exercise and I had to carry you know, extra 20 pounds on my back. I had to carry the extra 20 pounds on on top of a 50 pound backpack. I, in fact, so last week we talked about a ski trip that we went on. The other ski trip that I remember very clearly was that we skied up to this place called Garnet Ghost Town, which is actually super cool, but it's 11 miles uphill. And so we skied. So I had about 70 pounds on my back and I couldn't, do it i mean that was one of the only times i remember that they like they just they drove me the rest of the way at a, at one point because i i physically could
0: not <laughs> so you had to carry these make bag, it this uphill. bag around all, all the, time, the time everywhere
1: had to be touching it all the time uh except when i was in the shower like i even had to sleep with the rocks on my bed yeah i could never not be touching it
0: this sounds like and I know all these people were in recovery and had been addicted to things. So this is probably isn't what happened. But it sounds like they all stayed up late at night after the girls went to bed and they got super stoned and thought of, okay, what could we have Jen do? Oh, I have it, dude. Rocks. Her rocks are her friends and her attachments and she has to care." It just sounds like a stupid metaphor. It's not subtle at all and it's not, well. it doesn't even make sense, really.
1: Well, it does make sense. It makes sense, as yeah, a metaphor. but it's a little
0: too on the nose. And
1: well, that's how the headmaster was. <laughs> uh, he he was very into. It's funny. He was into the metaphorical through the literal. Yeah, if that makes sense. So, I remember one time somebody was talking about a dream they had about a Nazi, and he turned it into the words "not see." Oh my god! And so he decided that that person was not seeing something
0: i don't like this person at all oh
1: you wouldn't he's a terrible person (laughs) um so anyway so it was yeah everything was on the nose like that and so then did
0: they have to wear like binoculars strapped to their face for a month
1: no but i mean i knew there was a girl who had to wear a clock around her neck because i guess because she was late and not like um yeah unfortunately it was not a (laughs) an homage to public enemy it wasn't
0: a cool clock No. It's like a grandfather clock.
1: I mean, people, there were a lot of these assignments. And I'm going to play voicemail for you in just a minute from Sarah Fontana, who had one of the uh, kind of more common ones, I think, uh, because, well, she'll describe it, but she had to carry this thing around. Let's just play it right now.
2: So Jen asked about the therapeutic assignments of carrying around various objects. Um, she had rocks. she had to carry. I remember that backpack was heavy as fuck. Uh, I had to carry around this thing called a bataka which is a uh, I guess mine was like a baseball bat length kind of rod um, with a big round flat head on the end of it like a big flat mallet Um, and it's supposed to be used by people you hit like a cushion or a mattress or some safe object and you yell and scream and you get your anger out Um, I never did that. I just yell and scream and get my anger out whenever I feel that way. Um, that's pretty much still true, but, uh, I had an anger problem. So I had to carry my anger around with me in a, in a act of metaphor. Uh, and, uh, so that's what I did. I carried that thing around for about a year. Um, it didn't, or, or more even, I don't remember. Um, and At the end, I was even, I had to sleep with it in the bed with me. I had to, it had to like lean up against the wall outside while I was taking a shower. Um, I was supposed to touch it at all times. Um, And that's pretty much it. Uh, Did it do anything for me? No. Um, But, you know, whatever. Whatever. It was a place where kids were made to do all kinds of ridiculous things just for the sake of being made to do them. Some other girl had to carry around a cane for a whole long time. And, um, you know, there was always something or other. That's it.
1: Yes, this is another example of one of those assignments. It's not as on the nose in the same way, but we would have groups that they called processing groups. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that was crying and everyone would cry and we would all lie down on the floor.
0: Like they made you cry?
1: i guess i mean i've like we must have been faking it some of the time <laughs> but yeah for anger processing we would take that thing that sarah had to carry around and it was the same with my rocks as she said she always had to be touching it uh and we would just beat the shit out of this cushion and scream and yell i mean all kind. it was so weird and weird it was like something you would see uh, in a documentary about a cult, for sure. Very strange stuff. That said, I mean, it was kind of a powerful way to release anger. I, I, it was strange that it was forced. Yeah. But the actual beating of something and yelling is actually a really powerful way to release anger.
0: So it was like she was carry like holding onto her anger. Yeah. By carrying it around all the time. Right. But the point is to have you not do that. So, they made you do it literally, so that you'd get tired of it or something, yeah, and just think about it a much. lot,
1: yeah, and I carried my rocks for five months, what Sarah's was longer it was very large to carry around everywhere all the time, especially when we were required to do all these different forms of exercise and hard labor and skiing and biking and you know all that shit, like
0: so she had anger issues, so they gave her a big weapon. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Smart. Smart. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Man, that could have gone a different way. Ah, that would have been cool.
0: (laughs) We might not be talking right now. You might be in a vegetative state still.
1: Anyway, still. Yeah. What do you mean still? I was never in a vegetative state. No,
0: but like since back then when she got angry with you and batalked you in the head. Oh,
1: I didn't mean me. (laughs) I know. What the hell? I'm talking about an uprising.
0: You and your bag of rocks. And her Bataka. We could have
1: seriously hurt those people if we would have realized the power we had. There were 30 of us and only a few of them.
0: But you were brainwashed. Yeah. Cuz they were like cult leaders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And that's a different topic for a different time, but anyway, I guess I hope that answers the question about the rocks. I'm trying to remember what The other rocks were. The old friends one was the one that stuck with me the most because it was the most painful, I guess, to let go of.
0: So were they all labeled? Yeah, I wrote wrote on on them. them?
1: Oh, I know. One of them was Nicole, Mm. who was my friend who committed suicide. I mean, which is, of course I'm holding on to that. (laughs) Like There was something I had to do to get rid of each one. And I don't remember what all those things were. Well, obviously, since I don't remember... What all the rocks were. I guess, I think Drugs and Alcohol was one. Drugs and Alcohol, Old Friends, Nicole. That's only three. God, there were eight other ones.
0: So you're saying this was a really effective therapeutic situation. Because you don't remember what they were and you don't remember what you had to do to get rid of them. Seems like it was really effective. I remember the Old effective.
1: Friends one. And it was too stupid, stupid and artificial and also fucked up.
0: So what happened to the rocks when you did something? You eventually got rid of all of them.
1: Eventually, yes. I When I did something that they deemed good enough to get rid of a rock, or I think I had to do lots of things, you know? I mean, it was just arbitrary. They just kind of decided when something was good enough.
0: They wanted or, if,
1: or if you were full of shit or not.
0: They wanted you to get really strong, maybe, and do permanent damage to your shoulders.
1: Yeah, so that's mostly what I got from it, was this damage I have to my shoulders cool. that I am convinced was from that. Anyway, so no, I, it wasn't effective. It was it was basically just a form of torture and a form of humiliation and a form of, I was just a power trip for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there were lots of assignments. Um, there was the clock. There was, I swear to God, one of the people that I was really close with, the only person, like she came to visit me in college. She made out with your ex-girlfriend.
0: cool story
1: (laughs) yeah she made out with that person um (laughs) which was cool and anyway she i swear had to carry around a kitty litter box or something like or or a cat carrier with
0: kitty litter in it and like cat shit
1: no but i can't remember why what I think I must have that memory wrong. Because she
0: couldn't let go of her cat?
1: She had a giant box that she had to carry around. And I remember this one time they forced us, because of something someone did, who knows what it was, we had to run up and down this very steep hill for three straight hours. What? And I remember her fall, like just collapsing and falling to her knees and just crying and being like, fuck this. And there
0: was nothing in the box? It was just a big I don't box. remember.
1: That's what I'm telling you. So,
0: wait, I didn't... Did I miss this? What was the clock about? Was I think she always it was, late?
1: Yeah, I think it was about being late.
0: Jesus, these people have no imagination.
1: Well, I mean, those other ones are pretty imaginative. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's stupid. I don't know what they base their methods on. <laughs> I really don't I mean it the it was run like it was a twelve step program, but we didn't do a whole lot with the twelve steps.
0: So it was a twelve step program with sections that were poetry. Like how to teach you poetry and teaching you metaphors and similes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which brings us back to Dangerous Minds.
1: Oh, wow. Good job.
0: That um, was excellent. Yeah. Lou Anne Johnson. Is that her name?
1: I'm so curious about this story that she wrote. I think it's a story, not a book.
0: It's a book, I think. And the reason I think that is because I did read, as I was doing research for this episode, I did read a review by Roger Ebert that was published... with her book? With this movie. And he talks about reading the book. Okay. Because one of the things that bugged him, and it bugged me too, but I wasn't quite sure why, and I, I think he puts it really well. She uses, she starts introducing poetry into the class. These kids are, they have, one of the other teachers says they have like no academic skills at all or something like that.
1: They're called rejects from hell. Who are these kids? Rejects from hell? No.
0: They're bright kids with little or no educational skills and what we politely call a lot of social problems. So she introduces poetry, and they all kind of think she's crazy. She's supposed to stick to the standard curriculum, the state-approved curriculum. But she decides to introduce poetry, and she starts talking about Dylan Thomas. But this dude, who's her friend, thinks she's talking about Bob Dylan, so he starts spouting Bob Dylan lyrics. So what does she do? She goes into the class the next day, and she has the kids read.
2: Bob these Dylan Bob lyrics. Dylan lyrics. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. Tambourine. Tambourine. Hey, tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. Barney Thank you. Tawana?
1: Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me.
0: In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come follow him. Good. And I thought, hmm, that's not relevant to those kids. That's exactly... They wouldn't give a shit about that, was that at exactly all. That's
1: exactly the problem that I was having with it. You would not...
0: Ugh. Hey, guys, I, mean, I, I listened to this music when I was growing up. Oh, you don't care about it. So, I read this Roger Ebert review. Oh, yeah. And he wondered the same thing. Why would she use would Dylan lyrics? Those? Why wouldn't you use... Rap lyrics. These kids are into rap. They're freestyling the first time we see oh, them.
1: God, which made me miss my students so much, by the way. And like the beats on the desk. <laughs> this is your
0: classroom. <laughs> yeah, they're that's, all into hip hop and rap. Right. Why not use something that's relevant oh. to their lives? So I'll he read the why. book. And you oh. know what? She did. In real life, oh, she, did. she used rap lyrics. Oh, I'm glad
1: you said that. I thought you But
0: were... he makes this great point that she bribes the kids with candy and stuff. But really, the people being bribed are the audience, the white people that are supposed to watch this movie and think, "Oh, she's going to save those kids." They would not have identified with this movie. If she had been teaching them rap lyrics and we would have had to listen to the rap lyrics as much. It yeah. wasn't as palatable in the nineties. I mean this attitude still exists. Like these no, people no. say, like, well, rap's it's so violent and it's terrible and it's blah blah blah. Like like our parents, like our generation, our parents' generation of people were the audience for this film. So they used Dylan lyrics because All of those people would say, oh, yeah, he's the greatest poet. Of course, the kids are going to love that. But if they'd used rap lyrics, this movie would not have been as accepted as what the producers thought, probably, and the writers.
1: Well, okay, maybe. Guess what, though? The the movie
0: wasn't well accepted because it sucked.
1: I also think that the people who made the movie probably just don't respect rap.
0: Right. That's the same thing I'm saying, basically.
1: But the whole soundtrack is rap. I mean... If they wanted to avoid that and if they were really trying to, I I don't know. I think you're right about, I like the point about them kind of bribing the audience or kind of drawing in the white, you know, middle-aged white people at that time with Dylan Thomas and Bob Dylan. But I think, I don't know, I disagree about the, I think people would have connected to it more. I don't know. I guess it depends on how they portrayed it, but.
0: Well, it would have been more realistic, so it would have been a more compelling movie and maybe it would have been better.
1: And I, I had a real feeling that they just don't respect rap as yeah an art form and that you could never consider it poetry and that's the part that bothered me
0: and not that those kids couldn't have connected with Dylan of no, course those they, songs are they, great poetry but
1: they absolutely could I mean the poems that she had them read were about death and about things that that they actually do care about and yeah. experience and it's not that those kids couldn't be into that I they absolutely could it was just really frustrating that she didn't also bring in something yeah. relevant to them. Because and that's can, how you connect them with that other stuff. Is I by can
0: totally picture the production meeting where they were all sitting around like, well, we we can't ever teach rap because none of us know anything about it. And so we can't write that. So let's, uh, let's just change this to, oh, let's see, Bob Dylan. Yeah. yeah, which
1: is also problematic because was everyone who worked on this movie a white person?
0: Yeah, I think so. Probably. The director, the producers...
1: Yeah, because it certainly felt that way. Okay, I, for the first probably half of this movie, I thought it was okay. Because I could relate to her character. And I did appreciate the fact, I mean, she clearly did care about the kids. Mm-hmm. She did. She she gave a shit about them. She And she went outside of the normal boundaries to express that care for them. She saw them as brilliant. She saw them as bright for real, which is, I think that is something that should be recognized because a lot of people walk into a classroom like that and they don't see those kids that way. I, there were parts of it that felt kind of realistic to me in terms of things that I've experienced in the classroom. What is absolutely ludicrous is this concept that and yes we mentioned white saviorism that's what this is but to be more specific about it this person comes in really any person for one person to have the kind of impact that she is portrayed as having is ludicrous and here's the thing she does not change or grow as a character in this movie does she I mean, maybe a little bit. Like she's going through her own stuff, and she's oh, I mean, whatever. Right at the but...
0: end, I think she's supposed to go through a change. At the end, <laughs> do we want to just give it all away? I mean, she well, no,
1: well, sure, because that's actually what I'm where I'm going with this is that there is just no way that oh, it's just it's so fucking frustrating. It's portrayed as you know she saved their lives and no one's ever cared about them before and.
0: Oh, she saved Now all the suddenly kids.
1: they're into poetry and they, that yeah. never would have happened without her. And they're she thinking is,
0: about college. They and... present
1: her as indispensable and she is not. Like, that's not how it works. Right. And teach and kids do not. Kids love their teachers. Kids probably loved this person. I've had kids love me a lot. They do not show up and band together to try to convince you to stay. Yeah. Fuck off. and and it's so arrogant and ludicrous and and fucking arrogant. what I want to see is a teacher movie where a teacher walks in sure, a white teacher walks in to a classroom full of kids of color who come from backgrounds that are different from hers. I want to see her not fucking save the day I want to see her learn that she does not have the answers and that it's a way bigger and more complex problem and and she needs to care about the kids and that's important but so i just i had really mixed feelings about this movie it's bullshit white saviorism and i guess it's i guess what's so frustrating to me is that they could have done something with this that would have been that could have been meaningful
0: right so i, I think she did not grow or change. The change she makes at the end is also bullshit, and it's what you're talking about. Like, the kids all band together, and they say, you can't leave, because she... Th- Emilio dies. Let me just go back oh. a little bit. She didn't save all the kids. Wait. One kid dies. And she decides that she's going to leave, and she tells all the kids, I'm leaving. She had made some deal with Raul about her him paying her back before he graduated, making him think that she was going to be around, and then she decides she's going to leave. She has to make a change. She can't deal with this anymore. All the kids, this one girl comes back to school. They all convince her. I'm not going to just let you leave like that. Well, yeah, we realized
2: like the poem said, you can't give in. You can't go gentle. You got to rage against the dying of the light. Yeah, yeah you got to go for yours. You know that, right? <laughs>
1: So why? wait a minute wait a minute no no wait wait i'm not giving in I'm. this is my choice i have no reason to rage against the dying of the life because you're not the one who's raging we're the ones who are raging see because we see you as being our light
0: oh my you know, god yeah, they, they need l- her
1: they literally yeah they almost literally say you saved our lives
0: so she decides okay I'll come back. I'm going to keep teaching. That's the big change. The change that you wanted to see is for her to come in and realize, I can't save, like, I could save this individual kid, but the problem is systemic.
1: Right. That's it. Is that I want her, I want to see her get woke. You know what I mean? Or get more woke than she was before. Because... If you are in this kind of environment and you walk in, and and let me tell you, when I started my career, I absolutely walked into this situation thinking I was a white savior. Not consciously. I mean, I never would have, if someone would have accused me of that, I would have been like, you know, offended and defended myself. But now I've come so far since then that I can recognize that.
0: Yeah, well, she saved a couple kids' lives, and she inspired a few kids, which isn't bad. That's it's great. Just, no,
1: and that does happen. It's, this movie no, didn't not. address
0: any of the other things, and they started to a few times. There were moments where like, one girl looks at her, and she's like, you're not from our neighborhood. You don't know what it's like growing up there. Right. You don't know what our life is like.
1: Man, you don't understand nothing. I mean, you don't come from where we live. They don't even go into that. She never even has a moment where she's like...
0: She kind of acknowledges it, but then she goes to their houses, and she does... She does all these things. She does home visits. There's one other scene where I was... It was so frustrating because I was angry and happy at the same time. There Is it a when she goes to Raoul's? No, it's oh. a different one. I was angry and happy at the same time. And it wasn't the effect that they wanted, the filmmakers wanted. Mm-hmm. But there's a kid named Durrell who apparently has a twin brother who i didn't even see in the class the whole time but she goes to their house because Darrell quit school he he stopped showing up and she sees the two twin brothers on the porch and she's like hey guys and then their grandma comes out Mm -hmm. and tells them to go inside and her grandma straight up tells her
1: hi i'm luann johnson i'm the boys teacher
0: i know who you are you're that white red bitch messing with my baby's mind i beg your pardon My boys don't go to your school no more, and that's gonna be it. You took them out of school? You damn right I did. I saw what they were bringing home, poetry and shit. A waste of time. They got more important things to worry about.
1: Don't you think that finishing high school will be valuable to their future?
0: That's not in their future. I ain't raising no doctors and lawyers here. They got bills to pay. Why don't you just get on out of here? Go find yourself some other poor boys to save. Right. And the, I was like, yes, like happy that they someone at least saying said it. That? Yeah. But then I started thinking, like, is this too cynical and terrible? I started thinking, oh, these racist-ass producers and people that made this movie want they're showing this to say like oh see they don't even want our help oh those poor black people don't even want our help like i was so angry at that scene because i was so happy for grandma to actually say that to her face and i wanted michelle pfeiffer to go oh
1: right and what an opportunity for her to think like oh that's how i'm coming across here
0: yeah
1: right what can i do to change that like how can i care about these kids without (laughs) i i didn't I didn't interpret it that way. The way I interpreted it was more the angry black woman stereotype. Yeah. That, and yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, the other part of it being that they're trying to portray her as ungrateful. Mm -hmm. But I mostly, my, the thing that bothered me about that scene was more the, the stereotype of the black woman. Right. And I think that was. And, and being ignorant in that she pulled her kids from, or her yeah. grandchildren from school. You know what I mean? It's and like.
0: That's why I was so frustrated because I was like, yes, there's this strong black woman who's gonna stand up and tell her. And then I was like, oh no, that's not what they're doing. Fuck.
1: Right. <laughs> By the way, we are two white people. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> all of this take with a grain of salt because, you know.
0: But I, we it, do wanna hear from people if they have other perspectives on this and they're people of color.
1: Oh, of course. Um, always, by the way. Always.
0: And if we said something that really pissed you off, tell us.
1: Yeah, that's always the case. If we get it yeah. wrong, if we, I mean, please because unlike the teacher in this movie, we are always looking for ways to get better. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, I feel like we're just dumping on this movie. The thing about it was that the ending was just so fucking Try awful. It?
0: Yeah. It was awful.
1: Good. It was awful. But since you did bring up Emilio, one of the first notes I took was, oh, a kid is going to die in this movie yeah. right away. I was like, that is definitely going to happen. Absolutely. I thought it was going to be Raul mm-hmm. because he was the kid that she connected with first. It wasn't Raul. It was this other kid, Emilio. He was
0: the toughest kid. He to was a tough with.
1: kid. I really would like to know what happened. I'm not going to make any trouble for you. I just want to know. Was it worth it?
0: Yeah, it was worth it. Why? Because it felt good hitting him in the face. I got him good, man. Yeah,
1: you like to hit people.
0: Yeah, I like to hit people.
1: Why? You feel angry a lot of the time?
0: So now you're going to try and psychologize me? You're going to try and figure me out? I'll help you. I come from a broken home and we're poor, okay? I see the same fucking movies you do, man.
1: I would like to help you Emilio. Thank you very much. And how would you like to do that?
0: You're going to give me some good advice? Just say no? You're going to get me off the streets?
2: Well forget it. How the fuck are you going to save me from my life huh?
1: Okay yeah let's talk about the portrayal of that because there's all this stuff leading up to it where she is trying to protect Emilio. Uh, She's like, Takes him to her house to try to keep him.
0: Oh yeah, she does all street. sorts of stuff that's inappropriate.
1: Right, but whatever. I mean, in she's that trying case, to save his life, sort of but like, I mean, I could understand where she was coming from in that in that case. Right, but, but... it's a pattern of things yeah, yeah, yeah. that she oh, does yeah.
0: that teachers would be immediately fired for.
1: Oh yeah, she takes Raul out for like a romantic dinner. Yeah, too, which <laughs> yeah. is I was just like. Um... <laughs> she takes
0: all the kids to an amusement park, which oh, I have yeah. to say she made a comment in class like once you guys finish this assignment i'm gonna take you to the place with the highest roller coasters and the best cotton candy and the great and i was thinking she's taking them to an amusement park in their mind like she was gonna turn it into some teaching thing oh my
1: god that would have been so bad no
0: she just took them all to an amusement park and paid for it she
1: did but there was a good comment from one of the kids because they are fucking brilliant and they know what the fuck is going on When she said she was going to take them, they were kind of like, really, where are you going to get the money for that? Because we can barely get lunch. Like, we can barely... The school district is barely feeding us, Uh, which was a good point. And again, it was like this little opening of an opportunity that they didn't take.
0: Yeah, they didn't expand on those things. They They had a couple little mentions of things, but...
1: I think that's... My overwhelming feeling about this movie is frustration. And it it comes from the fact that I could, that parts of it did feel real to me. There were parts of it that felt that way. I mean...
0: Even if they had put in at the end, and I hate this when they do this in movies usually, but just as she's walking down the hall with her friend and we realize that the whole movie is about this one single white woman who is the light for these students <sighs> and who saved everything. Oof. If they would have just put some text at the end, like... Just some statistics of how schools are underfunded in certain areas, or yeah, this is a systemic problem, right. or that's not just this movie something. About.
1: Yeah, that's not what this movie is no. about. I mean, and I think in their minds, what this movie is about is a brave and dedicated person who came in and cared about these kids. But it's so insidious, you yeah. know, this idea that we are the people who need to save these people from ourselves. It's just so... It's so insidious. But this is th- this is the closest I've ever seen a movie come to outright saying, yeah. like, I'm a white savior. Yeah. And it being celebrated and a good thing. And the kids are just, cannot live without her.
0: Right. And the other thing is, why? Why make this movie? It's already been done better.
1: Right? Lean like, on me. Go watch Lean on and Me. Stand and
0: Deliver. Lean on me. Even Dead Poet Society, even though those are like
1: no, I love that
0: wealthy kids that are privileged, but but they have problems. That
1: movie stays in its lane. Yeah, right. Like it's. I I mean, if you're going to tell the inspiring teacher story, there are ways to do it that aren't as problematic. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure all of those movies have their problematic parts, but yeah, I would say Dead Poet Society stayed in its lane. I would say Stand and Deliver. At least the the teacher was Latino. Um, What's the other one you mentioned?
0: Lean on Me, you mentioned it.
1: Oh, I fucking loved Lean on Me. However, I have not seen that movie in a long time. I haven't either. So it, <laughs> maybe it's really problematic. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was a kid. But it's definitely a formula. You yeah. know, it's a formula. And I i mean, that's why I knew at the beginning of this one. i I mean, really, at the very beginning that a kid was going to die. It was just like, well, that's what happens in these movies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, okay, this is just... I'm so sorry because somebody in our group did recommend this movie. Rocky, I'm so sorry. We're like <laughs> shitting all over it. And I don't, my feelings about it are complicated. And that's why I'm so frustrated about it. I hope that you're getting that from me. But the handling of Emilio's death. It felt like this. I started to say there was all this stuff leading up to it. And then the next day at school, well, he's at her house and then he leaves. She tries to get him to stay, he leaves. So he's out on the street, and this guy is looking for him to kill him. Next day at school, he's not in class, and someone comes into the classroom to tell her that he is dead. And then that's it. Yeah. There's a little crying. There's... I thought at least that we would see it, you know? Like, I thought maybe at least it would be like, hey, this is what life is like for this this particular kid. Right? Like, make it about the fucking kids. But it's so about her. It's about that Michelle Pfeiffer's tears. the only reason, it's absolutely, yeah. the only reason it's even in the plot is because of her response to it. So she's very sad, of course. And everyone's very sad. They cry and whatever. But there's like, that's it. I mean, it's almost like they were running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, there are a lot of points in this like, movie oh, where yeah, the pacing got totally shot, fucked then, with the
0: emotional weight of the moment. Right. And it that's didn't how I felt about fit. that.
1: I was like, I should be crying. I should be upset right now. You know, in a good movie that built to this yes. moment, well, I would be very upset right now. And I was just like, what the fuck? What is going on? So the whole purpose of it was so that she could get so sad that she decides to leave the school because she just can't handle it. And it's too sad dealing with these poor, poor kids. And, and then so, that, so the kids could beg her to stay. I mean, they really fucked this up.
0: They gave a lot of time to her packing her things up, though. I remember her
1: packing. So, no time to the kid that got shot into her Volvo
0: so that she could change her mind in the last scene. Oh,
1: I see your point. Yeah. Sorry. They
0: really led up to that. But yes, they didn't give any time to the kid who actually got killed. It just kind of happened and they all moved on.
1: Yeah. I just, I can't. I just don't even...
0: Also, he got shot because he didn't knock. He went to see the principal. Oh, the principal The principal told him to leave Uh because he was going to tell the principal about the the crackhead, they kept using that term, that was after him that was going to kill him. She convinces him, go tell Uh the principal that this guy is dealing drugs at school.
1: But they have a rule at the school because they're trying to teach these kids how to survive out there in the real world Uh and you have to knock on the door. Yeah. So they will not listen to anyone who doesn't knock on the door. So he so. just walked
0: into the principal's office and the principal sent him away.
1: Yeah, And then yep. he left school and, got, and got killed. Mm-hmm. Which there is something there that's like, hey, listen to kids. You know, I mean, yeah. that that part.
0: But they never confront the principal with that. There's not. Right. No, I wonder no. how Courtney B. Vance feels about this role now. I don't know. Because I didn't like his character very much. Or the way it was handled. I don't know.
1: I had a lot of cognitive dissonance during this movie. Because it's like, oh, here's another movie about a white lady getting way too involved in her students' lives. We're supposed to be so fucking impressed by that. But then also, well, that is a little bit impressive, right? I mean, there is something about that that's, like, that is the kind of teacher that we want in the world. And I, oh, I just fucking, I fucking hate this movie.
0: (laughs) Only
1: because I'm being forced to talk about it. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm just like, oh.
0: Yeah, I know one of the scenes I felt that way about was when she goes to Raúl's house.
1: I'm here because I just wanted to tell you both personally what a pleasure it's been having Raúl in my class this semester. You must be very proud. Yes. He's, um, well, he's very bright, funny, articulate The truth is he's he's one of my favorites.
0: And I was so they they just swelled with pride and they were amazed and they'd never been told this before. And you're right, it's cognitive dissonance kind of you're you're like, "Yes, that's a great thing for a teacher to tell parents, but it's also my problem again, it just keeps coming back to the way they made this movie and the way they framed it and the people The intended audience. The white middle class audience that they Mm -hmm. were trying to get to see. Oh, see? They just need this white woman to approve of their son. And then they'll feel so proud. Yeah. It was just handled so... Oh, it made me so uncomfortable.
1: That scene was the height of my cognitive dissonance. Because I did cry. That's when I got choked up. I cried during that scene. And the reason I cried during that scene is because of Raul's reaction, because he was so, it was clear that no teacher in his life has ever said a nice thing to his parents or to him ever, probably in his life. That shit is real. That shit is very real for a lot of kids. Like kids go through their entire school career just being treated like they are a piece of shit. And that's the case for this kid. And so on that level, I was like, I've seen this when someone right. recognizes the good in a kid that's never had that experience. It's it's truly amazing.
0: Exactly. I do. I actually have a friend who started a pilot home visit program in a nearby school district.
1: Yeah, home visits. And are, yeah, she, it's a good thing.
0: she decided she wanted to start this, and she got the administrators and a couple teachers to go with her, and they picked some kids and they visited their houses, and they did one a week. Throughout the school year. Yeah. And she had amazing stories yeah. with, like, it was like a research project. So she mm-hmm. did long-term follow-up with these kids, and there were a lot of success stories. Mm-hmm. Maybe it didn't all come from that one home visit, but she had data where these kids turned things around after that, and she did have those situations where, where they were going in with a team and saying, hey, we're we're from the kids' school. We care about you. We care about your child. Yeah. And that can have great implications. Yeah. It's just the way that it was handled in this movie was really Yes. Ham handed and yes.
1: well, again, they just made uh, it all about her and how right. great she is. Yes. And um I yeah. Because caring about the kids, that's what it's about. That's like the number one most important thing as a teacher. I mean, so that's great. That part is good. I'm glad she cared about the kids and that we saw her caring about the kids. It's just like man, I just, God. Um,
0: <laughs> I did have some other things I noticed that are a little lighter. Did um, you
1: notice that her friend, the other teacher, was smoking in his classroom? Yes. And like everywhere at school? I was like, yeah, wait.
0: He was this, always smoking. This was the 90s? Yeah. Um, I also noticed that in the movie, I think she eats chicken one time at the romantic dinner with Raoul. She also has a gigantic plate of nachos in front of her in one scene where she's out for drinks with her teacher buddy and nobody eats the nachos. But then the only other things she eats during the movie are Cheetos Mm -hmm. and Doritos.
1: She, yeah, she eats a lot of junk food. And that was something I was wondering if that was just supposed to be part of who she was or if they were trying to say like, look how busy and dedicated she is. She only has time to eat this. I didn't really get that feeling, no. though. I thought it was more just, like, kind of a funny little part of who she was. Yeah, and
0: frito they gave him a bunch of money, probably. So Most
1: likely, but I, I did actually appreciate that part because I love Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> and, God damn it, I'm sick of people making me feel bad about it. You know what was a good, a really good representation of a teacher? The Wire.
0: Oh, yeah. You remember that shit? Yes. Season four? Four? Yeah.
1: Season 4 which is like Oh, those it's kids. It's fucking devastating. It's What was that guy's name? Savinsky or something. I don't that. Remember. that wasn't it. Patinsky. <laughs> nope. Pol Palusky. Nope, keep going. Pines. Give me another one. It's something with ski and I think it starts with a p. Okay. Uh anyway. That's a go watch The Wire, it's way better than this movie. Um <laughs> The soundtrack was good. I did Yeah, I very much like the soundtrack, except for there was this one scene where they were reading poetry in the classroom, and the music that was playing was so distracting, and it was very, very bad music. <laughs>
0: what was it?
1: I don't remember. I don't remember. So that's a good story that we can include in this podcast. Yeah,
0: definitely watch the movie just for that scene. So we don't do this often on I Never Saw That, but sometimes I think we should... Um, Jen, do you have a rating for this movie? I, that's or where a I grade? was just thinking
1: of going because we did do that for Batman Forever. We should do it for things we like sometimes. <laughs> I th- it seems like the only time Uh-oh. we...
0: not looking good for dangerous minds.
1: It <laughs> seems like the only time we think of rating is when we like hate something.
0: Drum roll, please. What's our rating scale? Four thumbs?
1: Yeah, four thumbs. We have four thumbs. We each have two. I don't know why they limited themselves with, two thumbs stupid micah you give it a rating first we're going on the four thumb scale
0: okay i'm gonna do one thumb straight down mm-hmm. and another thumb straight down <laughs> so that's two thumbs straight down
1: okay so out of the four thumbs that mm-hmm. we have two of them so far are pointing straight down mm-hmm. okay I fucking hated the end of this movie so much. We
0: talked about that already. It's the
1: worst ending. No, but I'm just saying that that affects my rating. Okay. So one one of my thumbs right now, listeners, is also pointing straight down at the Mm -hmm. ground. My other thumb... Oh,
0: man. Really?
1: ...is pointing toward the other thumb. So it's not up. It's halfway between up and down. Because since you already gave it two thumbs down and I'm giving it one thumbs down, we're going to give it one thumb half <laughs> we're gonna give it one middle thumb
0: i'm sorry can you describe this in a way that's more convoluted and confusing hmm. paint me a word picture I probably of could. where your thumb is I'm really good so that would be like it's right up your ass three and a half thumbs down is one way to say it that's really quick
1: well yeah i was gonna or you could say yeah you're right three and a half thumbs down or one half thumb up no nope. i wouldn't even say up
0: nope <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say one and three quarters but then i was like nope I don't care at all. Who am I hurting right now? Michelle well, Pfeiffer is not, not listening. That. It's
1: not about that. It's about I don't know. The soundtrack was good. Okay. And I did like the kids a lot in it. Yeah, some of the kids were so, good. Phantom Freak.
0: I can see. Right? Okay. I
1: can't give. I just it needs to get a little something for for that.
0: All right. I'm not changing mine. But yeah. You can, so we I think have half one okay. half
1: of a thumb. Sideways. Out of four thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real good rating. It's not very good. Mm-mm. Um.
0: And since Man. we haven't rated other things, there's no comparison. There's, yeah, it's we not rated Batman Forever. Yeah, but what did we give that? Oh, like I gave, four, that, I gave four that one star. Like four glasses of orange juice with dump in it?
1: You gave it half a star. I gave it one star. But that was mm. when we were using a different rating system, which was five stars. So it's about the same rating.
0: I guess. Yeah. Somebody that does math, let us know.
1: I sure hope that we didn't upset a lot of people. Like you Lou know,
0: Johnson I, and Michelle Pfeiffer. No, and
1: No, people who listen to this podcast who maybe love or loved this movie. What I would say is go back and watch it again and think about the trope of the white savior. And if you have never thought about that before, that is okay. Um, this is an opportunity for you to think about it. And if you go into this movie with that in mind, I think that you may... Maybe it will be meaningful to you at least. I don't know. I just I I we do. I do actually. Micah doesn't. I try. <laughs> I really do want to look for the good things in everything we watch because it's more fun that way. First of all, and I I as I, I said this way back in the beginning. Um, I said it during our cool runnings episode. I don't. I did not walk into this podcast with a cynical attitude. Or any kind of ironic attitude or anything like that. I'm I'm really trying to be very open-minded. What I will say is, had I seen this movie as a kid, I would have felt very differently yes. about it. I'm sure that I would have liked it.
0: Absolutely. And I yeah. think people that saw it when they were younger, I can totally see the appeal.
1: Oh, absolutely. I
0: would have been the same way. I...
1: Yeah. I just think that with time and education, sometimes our minds change about things. Yeah, it that just we makes us loved. see
0: things differently. And yeah. it's harder when you, when you have seen it as a kid. Right. And you love it. Because you have attachments. Right. And you understood and it I differently And I have never then. seen this. Yeah.
1: I feel kind of bad sometimes because I don't have this nostalgia attached to any of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And I sometimes wish that I did have that.
0: Yeah. In a way, it's not really fair because we're asking yeah, these people right. to suggest things that were really important to them. And, yeah. And then we're watching them with
1: with the perspective of 25 years. Yeah, because
0: I a lot of these things I didn't see either. I mean, I, I never... did see Batman Forever. I don't remember hating it as much as I did this time, but I also <laughs> don't remember liking it. So.
1: Yeah, anyway.
0: But we do want people to continue to suggest things, and if you have something that was really important to you, Let us know and let us know why and what you want us to look for in it and what you enjoyed about it. And we'd love to have you on to talk about it too. If you suggest something, leave a voicemail or...
1: Definitely want to have guests or yeah, Yeah. uh, voicemails are great. We will play them on the show. Yeah. If you have something that really mattered to you and that way we can approach it with a, with a little bit different lens because (laughs) without that...
0: (laughs) Otherwise we're just dicks.
1: Uh, And you know, if we hurt your feelings or pissed you off or you think we totally missed something we would like to hear from you i mean don't be super mean but
0: i do really like that coolio song though gangsta's paradise it's
1: a good song it's a really fucking sad song
0: strangely i don't remember liking it that much when it first came out Hmm. it wasn't my favorite song at the time see
1: that's a way that you have grown and changed Mm -hmm. over the years see some things you like now that you didn't like then it's not all just cynicism. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. I feel like this was our most like impassioned, angry episode. So I far. was pretty
0: angry about Batman Forever.
1: No, we were mostly laughing about that one. Yeah, that's true. If you like us and what we do... Please rate and review us on iTunes. Tell your um, friends. Tell your friends about us. Tweet join about it. Join our Facebook group. Tweet H- about us. Uh, encourage other people to join our group. And
0: Heart our Instagram photos. <laughs> I think that's how that works.
1: Yeah. You can also become a Patreon supporter. It's patreon.com slash I Never Saw That podcast, I think. Or you can just search for I Never Saw That on Patreon. And uh, that's it. Thank you to Minus Violet for our theme music.
0: Thank you to FiFi Folios for our internet.
1: Thank you to Graham McCray for our artwork. Until next time. See you in the
0: 90s. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my
1: life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that
0: even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. I really hate the trip, but I gotta look As they go, I see myself in the pistol smoke. room I'm the kind of tree that little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, say impressive.